Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As Pastor Reese mentioned, it's our last uh, Monday on Psalms, so guess what? Which is the only Old Testament book that the New Testament explicitly tells us to use? Psalms, very good. You find that in a couple places. It never tells you to read Genesis or see but it does say sing Psalms, so very good. One for one. Number two. Which two psalms are key to understanding the rest of them? One and two. You guys are so good. Psalms one and two. What key theme, you have to think back here, wow, like four weeks, does Psalm one set before us? If you look at it, you might say in English, well, it sets in front of us the law of the Lord and we're supposed to be delighting in all his laws and meditating on them day and night. But if you remember back, if you understand that phrase from Psalm 1 in Hebrew, it's literally the Torah of Yahweh. What's the Torah? It's the first five books of the Old Testament. When the psalmist wrote Psalm 1, that was his written scripture, his Bible. So he's delighting in the written word of God. And we talked about that three weeks ago. And then Yahweh is not some unnamed lord or boss. He is the personal God revealed to Israel at the burning bush at Mount Sinai, and so on. So delighting in the word of our God. Very good. Psalm 2 sets before us the Lord or Yahweh's Messiah. Very good. We've got an A student. Uh, Psalm 2 is about Yahweh's anointed. And anointed in Hebrew is Messiah. And in Greek, it's the Christ. So there we have before us what theologians call the formal principle of our faith, the word of God. And then the material principle, the main content, is our Lord's Messiah, his Christ, whom we know as Jesus, our Savior. Which is the most dominant type of psalms as you go through them all? C is correct. Uh, Dr. Ashman and Dr. Armstrong both uh, dealt with psalms that were more lamenty, and that's so if you want to complain, here's some great words of complaint that you can take to God, and uh, you find those more than any other kind. Okay, for today, the Hebrew title for these 150 song lyrics is Tehillim, which means not rap music. It means. Praises, crack. These are the original praise music. And so today, on our last time, we're going to look at a praise psalm. And when we get to those praise songs, they all, well, they tend to have these two basic parts that it will just work you through again and again and again. Part one will be a call to worship, to praise Yahweh, to come before him, to bend the knee, to sing praises to him. Part one. Part two, why? And the great thing is in Hebrew... The word that often starts the why part is key. Can you say that? Very good. See, Hebrew is not so hard. And that's the key part of the psalm. It's the gospel. It's the why we should take time out of our day to gather, to worship, to sing his praises. So watch for the key word. In English, it's often translated for. And so if you want to grab Psalm 95, you can find it on page 499 in the Pew Bible. You can find it in the front of the hymnal, 
or find it in the middle of whatever Bible you have. And this is the uh, psalm that our musicians wonderfully put together for us this morning. So we already sang it, but let's go through it and just look for those two parts. Call to praise, why? Call to praise, why? So why don't this half read verses 1 to 2 aloud, and then you guys tell us in verse 3, 4, and 5 why we should do what you guys call us to do. So you guys, verses 1 and 2, let's start. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. For the Lord is Great, that gets us going with praise psalms. So we get all verses 1 to 2 coming to worship him. Verses 3, 4, and 5 basically say why. And they speak of God. The sea is his, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land. Genesis 1 and 2, he is our creator. Nothing exists. None of us exist except for the fact that he made us. And for that reason alone, we should come and worship the God who made us who gave us all that we have and we are. The pattern continues. Uh, you guys read verse 6, and then you guys tell us why, but stop when you get to sheep of his hand. Okay? So verse 6, and then just half of verse 7. Call to praise, verse 6. Call out, O come! Great, you got that, the rhythm of these praise psalms down. Sounds wonderfully coming at me in stereo from you guys. And note how verse 3 and verse 7, yeah, start with 4 in English. In Hebrew, that's key. Here's the key. Here's why. Verses 3 to 5, he's our creator. Verse 7, he's our God. I love the corny joke. He could be the Amorite's God or the Girgashite's God or the Jebusite's God or the Hittite's God or the Bud Light's God or the Tecate Light's God or the Miller Light's God, but Israel says he is our God. The Lord is my shepherd. We are his people. The flock he shepherds. And if you go back to verse 1, he's the rock of our salvation. So there's our redemption as his people. That's why we praise him. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. And that wonderfully runs throughout the scriptures. Our opening song beautifully did that. All the way to the end of the Bible. Check out Revelation 4. All of heaven is praising God because he created everything. Chapter 5 of Revelation. All of heaven is praising Jesus because he redeemed us. God, our creator, our redeemer, our creator, our redeemer is worthy of our praise. That's the happy, joyful, uplifting part. I've heard many musical versions of Psalm 95, like the one that was beautifully done for us this morning. The Venite is in Matins. I've heard a number of contemporary versions, and they all stop halfway through verse 7. Now, what would you think if you're a songwriter and everybody only sang the first half of your lyrics? What's the rest of the psalm about? 
Well, intriguingly, verse 7 starts to make an application. What about today? And we tend to avoid this half. It's, uh, it sounds harsh. Today, if you hear his voice, his voice saying what? Come, worship, sing, praise. If you hear his voice, come, praise your creator, praise your redeemer. Don't be like the ancient Israelites in the wilderness whom God had saved, but then they got out by Meribah and Massah, and both times they didn't like the water. There was no water. Kind of like Californians in drought. Where's some water? And those two times come up here in the second half of the psalm. Now, it's interesting. They're not like making golden calves or going after other gods. They're just grumbling that you brought us out into the wilderness and we don't have no water. And God uh, talks about that in the second half of this psalm. So let's start with today. And we can all read this together to the end of the psalm. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my word. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath they shall never enter my rest. Ouch! No wonder we don't sing the second half. <laughs> Basically, Psalm 95 sets up this alternative. Come, worship your Creator and your Redeemer. Or, harden your heart to his invitation. When they ask Americans how many go to church weekly, the polls say almost 40% say they go to church weekly. But when you count how many people actually go to church on a given Sunday, it's more like 17.7%. Less than half who claim they go each Sunday are actually there on a given Sunday. And we could say, what about Concordia Irvine? How are we doing at responding to the invitations we have weekly, multiple times weekly, to come and worship? Is our percentage any better? What about from faculty who should be setting a good example? From staff, from students? How are we doing when we're invited to worship our Creator and Redeemer? Well, we could think about America at large or our own campus. What are people thinking? I'm too busy. Okay, that's a time management issue. But if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, God should get the first slice of our time. Or I have more important things to do. Really? That's probably a first commandment issue. No other gods before me, including what I'm busy doing. Or it could be the style, I don't like what they do that day. Well, you're really going to let your personal style preference get in the way of listening to the voice of your Creator and your Redeemer. But I'm preaching to the choir, right? You're here. Well done. Good choice. I applaud you. I congratulate you. I thank you for coming. You heard the voice of his invitation. You came to worship, to praise your creator, to praise your redeemer. And that's these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful praise psalms. Let's just look at a couple more in closing. 
Psalm 96. Right next to it, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, bless his name, declare his glory among the nations. Guess what's the Hebrew word that begins verse 4? Key, why? Because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Guess what Hebrew word begins verse 5? Key, very good. See, Hebrew's easy. This is always going to call us to worship, invite us to come into his presence, to hear his voice, and then these praise psalms always will remind you why, why, why this is so important. Look at Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And the second word in Hebrew of Psalm 100 is key. No, that translated here, the Lord is God. It's he who made us. And we are his, we are his few. That's, those are good reasons. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Verse 5, why? Key, 4, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And my favorite, flip all the way up to Psalm 136. This one's just marvelous. It's the whole Old Testament, well, at least through Genesis and Exodus and applied further on to God's people of all times and places. And you can see the second half of every verse is the same. For his steadfast love endures forever. And the Hebrew word translated for is key. And I want to teach you more of this. Uh, for his steadfast love endures forever. In Hebrew is only three words. Ki, repeat after me. Ki, la'olam. Now you get to spit. Hebrew's great because you get to spit a lot. Chasgo. Chasgo. Repeat after me. Ki, la'olam. Chasgo. And that's all you need to know. Because his steadfast love endures forever and verses 1 through 9 tell you creation which reminds us for his steadfast love endures forever and verses 10 to 25 are redemption and they show us for his steadfast love endures forever my tie has a great personal verse from the psalms the lord will fulfill his purpose for me your love O lord endures forever. Ki la'olam chasdo. What an awesome God we have who created us, who redeemed us, whose love for us endures forever. This is the Jesus God who created us, who redeemed us, whose love for us endures forever. So let's praise him with the shortest psalm. This one's great, 117. Uh, we can do our same thing. Well, let's all do it together. The yellow is, here's why we should praise him. It's all up on the screen. The, the white is, key, why should we praise him? And then we end with a rousing hallelujah. You know another Hebrew word. Hallelujah, praise, Yah is the Yahweh, the God of this personal name who we find throughout the Old Testament. So uh, we need to do this standing too, because it's a rouser.
Thank you again for hearing his voice, for coming to praise him. And let's leave with this, everybody together. Hallelujah! Praise Yahweh, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah and Amen.